couple of things that I want to jump into as our sermon. We're in a new series called Deep Faith. Uh, we're in week number two. If you missed last week, you can catch it at colonialhill.org. You can also catch it on our podcast on Apple or Google Play. Uh, but we kind of been talking about, I challenge you that, uh, to just have this confidence. I don't care where you are on that continuum of faith. Whether you say, you know what, I just happened to stumble across this on Facebook and I turned it on for just a few moments, or I've been following Jesus for 75 years, I said, just humor me for a moment (laughs) that these three things would be true, that God is real, that he's a personal God that wants a relationship with you, and that he's walking alongside you with you every way. Anything that you go over or under or through, he's beside you the whole way, so he's Real, he's personal, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. What if you had absolute, complete confidence of that? That in spite of COVID-19, coronavirus, Rona, whatever you want to call this thing, like I just have confidence. I'm just, I just trust the Lord. Oil prices plummeted to a new record low this week. I, I, just, I just trust God. I know it's bad. I just trust God. But you work in the oil field. I know. I just doesn't matter like any good news or bad news. Nothing's going to blow you off course. Temptation, a huge temptation comes your way. You're like, eh, I just trust God. He's got something better for me. That looks good, but this looks a whole lot better. We're just so, like you're just standing like in concrete and, and letting, letting it solidify around your feet. You're just so confident that God is who he said he is. That he, you just trust him. I just trust you. He didn't answer your prayer request. That's okay. I just, I just trust you. I, we, we meet people like that, right? And they kind of frustrate us. Maybe your mama, your grandmama, or somebody. You, you almost want to give them more information so that they'll have less faith. Like, well, but did you see the news, grandma? Yeah, baby, we, we just got to trust the Lord, right? <laughs> and it, I think part of the reason they're irritating is because you want that kind of faith. But it's not always easy to get. That kind of confidence in God, this unwavering, unsettling, out-of-the-box, over-the-top kind of confidence in God. That's what I want. That's what I want you to have. So that when things like this happen, you don't waver. It's not, you're not like a wave tossed in the ocean. You just go, we're good. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't know what tomorrow has, but tomorrow has enough worries of its own. I'm just going to trust Jesus. And the reason that this is such a big deal to God is because trust was the thing that was lost in the very beginning. When he had a relationship with Adam and Eve, the whole chasm that was created between God and man wasn't because of disobedience. It wasn't. He said, do not eat of this tree, and what do they do? Well, I'm going to eat of the tree because they thought maybe God is withholding something from us. Maybe he doesn't know what's best for us. They did not trust him. And so they ate of the fruit. Sin entered the world. And the chasm was created. And now God is trying to restore that. He's been doing it in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. That's why Jesus came. He didn't come to give us a bunch of rules. He came to give us relationship. He said, I want you to trust me. In fact, he said, that's how you get saved. It's by grace you've been saved through your faith, through trusting him. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works. So no one can boast. So we talked about last week there's some things that you can do to grow your faith that doesn't give you faith you get faith just by trusting in Jesus I just trust you God I trust you are who you say you are I trust you're going to take care of your kids 
I trust you. I, I trust you're going to supply for all my needs. The thousand plus promises in Scripture, I'm just going to hold on to them because you've never let me have one of these fail yet. So I told you last week, there's five areas. Now, I, I spend a lot of time with people. I love people. And when I talk to people and when I find out, I say, what's, what's your faith story? Tell me a little bit about your faith story. I kept hearing these five things over and over and over and over. Not to say these are the definitive five. I just kept hearing these five things. These are the things that grow people's faith. So they place their faith in Christ. And a lot of you have done that. But for some of you, you're still in that, that baby steps, right? In fact, Peter says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted the Lord is good. So even Pete says, some of you walk around like babies. You've been a, a faith-filled person for a while now, but you're still drinking spiritual milk. You need to move from milk to meat. We want to grow you and deepen your faith. So how do you do that? So I, I found five things. This is not a list that you do. It's not even a list in the Bible. I told you last week I could be completely wrong. I just think these things really do help move the needle on that continuum of faith. So here it is. The five faith catalysts, we're going to talk about this one today, but dedicated church attendance. So not just church attendance, but being plugged into the church. Really like making you coming the norm, not the exception. Earthly relationships. Earthly relationships. We're going to touch on this one as well today. Just that a lot of times I hear the story of faith. They say, well, I came to faith um, because somebody, I was introduced to this girl. Or we met this couple. There's always like another person that God almost providentially brings into your world. The P is personal ministry. That's why we champion the dream team. We want to get you on the dream team. We want to get you serving in some capacity with the gifts that God has given you. Because I know it's going to grow your faith when you do that. Timely events is the fourth one. And again, you can't schedule that necessarily. But just things happen. Right? We hope, Lord willing, we're able to go to camp. Kids camp, preteen camp, youth camp this summer. And I've had parents say, well, what do you want to do, baby? You want to go? You want to go to camp? I don't know. Mom, I want to stay home and play Fortnite. Okay, you can stay. No, get the kids to camp. Why? Because it grows their faith. I know that's going to grow their faith. So knowing these is a big part of the battle. It's just saying, okay, I know I want my kids' faith to grow, so I want to motivate them around these five areas. And the last one is home disciplines. The thought there is just you're spending time not just on Sundays with us, but throughout the week, you're opening your word, you're praying, you're fasting, you're doing some things as disciplines. Again, discipline's not a fun word, but discipline always, always, always leads to growth. So we're going to talk about each of these today. Uh, no matter where you are on that continuum of faith, if you're just kind of getting into the church thing and I'm just exploring faith, or you've been a Christian a long time, this is how you can grow it. Let's talk about the first one, dedicated church attendance. So we talk about dedicated church attendance. I, I just, I hear that story so often. You know, someone invited me to church. Some, someone, someone asked me to go with them. I, I wasn't really going to church, but then I went to church because somebody, somebody asked me to go, right? There's just something about coming to church because you're going to hear biblical, practical teaching when you come, at, at least our church, okay? I want to be practical as possible. I know there are some pastors, I love them in Jesus' name, I pray for them, but there are some pastors that are just covering the material. That's not my goal. 
That is a waste of your time and my time. I want to give you something practical that even if you don't believe like I believe, you can take what we talk about on Sunday and use it on Monday. I believe everybody has one of two responses when they leave church. They either say, is it over yet? Or it's over already. I'm opting for the other one that we go, hey, wow, that was fun. Man, I think that church is supposed to be enjoyed, not endured. I don't... <laughs> David said in, in Psalm, he said, I, I, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. He didn't say I was mad. Ah, I go go to church. I was sad. I was, I was glad. So I think, I think church should be a fun place. Uh, I hope you're having fun at church. I'm having fun. I can't wait to have fun with you in the same room. That's going to be great. Uh, but I think it's so important for us to be a part of a church body. Uh, I'll say this, the same can be said, if you're talking about growing your faith, the same can be said for people who lose their faith. I see a lot of people who have fallen from faith and because they fell from church going. I just see it happen. When we stop going to church, yeah, and you stopped having a relationship with Jesus. When was the last time you talked to him? When was the last time you read his word? I mean, in theory, people say, I have a great relationship with God. I don't go to church. I've just never met that person, ever, ever. There's something about, hey, I, I got to be a part of a church. I got to be a part of, part of a body. And if you don't believe me, believe God. Let me show you some verses. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And the verse actually concludes, and all the more as we see that day approaching. Which day? The day of judgment, the end of it all. He goes, we got to keep going to church. There were some people in, in, uh, in this generation that just kind of stopped going to church. The writer of Hebrews says, hey, let's don't give up on meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing. We've got to keep pressing in because the day when this whole thing ends is getting closer. It's drawing nigh. So we've got to keep plugging into God's house. I love this out of Acts 2.46. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. You say, well, Pastor Reed, we can't come to the temple courts. There's a quarantine. Have you not heard? Well, good news. They broke bread in their homes too, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I didn't care. Listen, I said this a minute ago. The temple, the church is not here. 1 Corinthians 6 says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. So this is the temple, not this, not this room that I'm in. You're the temple. So, so don't give up on meeting together. Like, get in a home, 10 or fewer people. <laughs> get in a home, break some bread, talk about Jesus. You need the church. Let me show you another one. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 27. I'm sorry. Romans 12, 5. We'll go there first. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. I love that. So we're all part of the same body, and you actually need the church. And if I can be so frank, the church actually needs you. And here's why. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, you're the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of the body. So I have all of these parts of my body. And if I were to cut off part of my hand, my arm, or whatever, and throw it on the ground. I would come back a week from now, and it would look nasty, okay? <laughs> Gross. That's probably decaying. It's not growing. I promise you that. Come on. Are you catching me? We're talking about deepening and growing our faith. 
If I cut off my hand and it's not growing anymore, it's just not. I want to grow your faith like this hair right now I got on my head. It's growing like crazy. I'm sorry. I got off topic. All right. You're a part of the body. Stay connected to the body. If you don't stay connected, you're going to be in trouble. Here's the last verse I'll show you, Ephesians 4.16. Each part, each body part, does its work and helps the other parts. That's what we're looking for. Depth. Growth. I want to help you grow. And so one of the ways you do that is through being connected to the body. The church is the place where believers can encourage one another. We encourage one another, Hebrews 3 tells us. We love one another, 1 John 4 tells us. We be kind and compassionate to one another, as Ephesians 4 tells us. We serve one another, like Galatians 5 instructs. We honor one another, as Romans 12 suggests. And we instruct one another, as Romans 15 says. This is a great place to do all of those things. I want you to stay connected to the body. And again, I said this, but not only do you need church, the church needs you, like yeah, I don't want my arm over here, but I also need an arm. Like, that's really helpful. I can, I'm so much more effective with two arms. And so if you're an arm or you're, or you're a leg, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stunt our growth. We're not going to be able to move as fast as we could if you were part. So dedicated church attendance, you need to be plugged in. Again, make it the exception that you're not here than the rule. And I love you enough to say, I don't even care if it's this church. Just get in a church. You need it to grow your faith. Here's a second one. I'm, I'm kind of sh- shifting a little bit. It should have been earthly relationships. I'm going out of order. I know this. But I want to jump to personal ministry because that's kind of what I was alluding to is, is we need you. You're part of the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it, and every body part has a function. And maybe the gallbladder. I don't know what it does. But everything else, <laughs> it does something, I'm sure. Everything else does. You need it. You need And so we need you. We need you to plug in and be a part of the ministry that's happening here. Right? That's why we're, we champion the dream team. We want to get you on the dream team. I had a guy tell me, hey, Pastor Reed, just put me where you need me, where, where you want me to serve. And I say, I need you to serve in kids. We've got a lot of holes there. <laughs> and he goes, oh. And I said, that's exactly why I don't want you in kids. Because you'd be miserable. I can see from the look on your face. And the kids would be miserable. They would go home to their moms and say, hey, mom, my teacher's mean. Well, he hates you, baby. That's why, right? Like, <laughs> I want to put you, sir, where you are designed by God to serve. Because God's given everybody in that's watching gifts. He's wired you with certain passions. And I want to help you find your purpose. That's why we have a next steps class, which, by the way, we're trying to figure out how to do that online, maybe through Zoom. Uh, we would still love for you to find your purpose right from your comfort of your couch, okay? So that'll hopefully be coming in the next few weeks. But, uh, yeah, we want to help you find your purpose because you find your purpose, you find your part in the body, and then the body functions so much better when you're doing what you were called and designed to do. And you'll be fulfilled because you're getting to make a difference doing the thing that you actually love doing, not just fulfilling a role because it needs to be met. I'm going to show you this. This is out of Acts 20, uh, 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I think this is the most beautiful verse concerning the dream team because... It doesn't matter if you greeted somebody in the parking lot with a handshake or a warm smile. 
If you were keeping their kids in the nursery, making sure they were cared for so the parents could come in and listen uninterrupted. If you're working in the TV booth, can I just give it up? Big amen to all of ours that are working in our, in our TV ministry, in our Facebook ministry. Come on, I love you guys. I know you're watching right now as I'm talking. I love y'all. Uh, they come up here and help us film all that, but that's, that's a big part of that. Whatever role that you have, we're all doing the same thing, telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And that's what I want to happen is I, I, you can say, hey, that person came to faith. Well, I, I shook their hand and made them feel welcome. Well, I broadcasted online, and that was the first time they actually checked out our church. They went to our website and listened to one of the sermons, and I actually recorded that on these devices. I was keeping their kids, and, and I'm so thankful that they could listen to the message of the good news of Christ uninterrupted because I had their baby, and I was rocking that baby to sleep. Right? We all contribute to the same purpose. You're part of that body, having a personal ministry. I love this out of Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. So one plus one doesn't equal two. One plus one equals ten. There's like a multiplication effect when you start working together in personal ministry with other members of the body of Christ. So for me, this is how I got to be a pastor. I did not go get an education. I've never been to seminary. This is not nepotism. My daddy didn't hand me this role. I, I got into ministry just starting to do personal ministry. I was working with a youth pastor, and I said, would you let me be a small group leader? So I was working with freshmen and sophomore in high school, and I'll never forget the first time somebody came to faith, and I got to play a role in their salvation process. And I was just on cloud nine. I never leave cloud nine. Every time that happens, still to this day, I kick my heels together. I do one of these. I don't know if I can do it. It's a very small stage, but yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good for a big boy. So I do that every time. I get so excited. And that happened the first time. And I said, man, it's like all the time. Can I make this my profession, just leading people to Jesus? That's my story. My faith grew. My ministry started because I just said, I'm just, use me to work with students. Or whatever it is that God's calling you to be, just start a personal ministry. Well, I, I'm not, I don't have all the answers. Perfect. Because I guess that you'll probably motivate yourself to figure them out and challenge yourself to be in his word. You'll start growing and deepening your faith. I'm going to go back to the E, and this is where we're going to close today, is earthly relationships. So if dedicated church attendance, earthly relationships, and personal ministry. With earthly relationships, I would just encourage you to, to think of somebody right now Okay, not somebody that's in the room with you, okay? Somebody else. Think of somebody in your world, and if you're with somebody right now, I want you to share this person with the people in the room. Okay? We're a little little interactive church today. <laughs> I want you to think of someone whom you would say God used in order to bring you closer in a relationship with him. And if you can, avoid family. Maybe you can't, but maybe it was, maybe it was a mama or a stepmom or a girlfriend that you were trying to impress and she said, come to church with me and then something started happening or a friend. Think of someone that you would believe God used to get you closer to him. And even if you're not a Christian yet, that's fine. You can play too where you would just say, you know what, this person at least piqued my curiosity enough to say, I'm going to tune in online today. You got that person? 
And then I want to ask you a second question is, what did that person say or what did that person do that influenced you in a positive way? Those are two great questions to ask. Is, is there, are there people in my life? Because I would say that almost unequivocally in every faith story, there is somebody, a grandma who would not stop praying for me, a friend who burdened me, said, come to church. He asked me every week for 17 weeks, and I finally gave in in week 17. Somebody that said, come to church. Come to ch- I'm telling you, God puts relationships in your life because he wants to be in relationship with you. It just, it just happens. For me, when I think about my faith and the people that God brought along that intersected in my path that helped grow me, there's a few that I think of just off the top of my head. One of which uh, was Terry Rumpf. Terry was a member of our church. He sat about two-thirds of the way back. I can even see where he sat. I can picture him and his wife in my head. And Terry um, had experienced something similar to what I had experienced. I lost my father when I was 12 years old. And I remember a lot of people coming to my house and telling me, I know what you're going through. And it just frustrated me because they had no idea. And I was angry at God and I was angry at the church because those church members were trying to be kind and say, I know what you're going through, even though they really didn't. Terry did. And he came over a few days after the funeral and and shared his story with me. And for the first time in my life, I saw light at the end of that dark tunnel after losing my dad. Because here was a man who I thought was successful, successful financially, successful spiritually. He was a good family man. And I thought, man, if he can make it, maybe. Maybe. Another man that I have a huge amount of respect for is Brian Frank. Brian was my youth pastor for my junior high life. This is right after my dad passed, so this was critical timing. And he just invested into me. He would come over to my house and play video games till like 11 at night. And he, he said, don't tell my wife, right? And just, uh, he would take me. I got into like doing magic and illusions, and he would take me to like magic conventions in Lubbock. Just, I mean, just, he just invested in me. Right? He didn't do that for everybody, but I just love the philosophy that do for somebody what you wish you could do for everybody. And I am the man I am today in large part to Brian Frank's investment in me. I think about my brothers-in-law who invested in me during that season. I think about my pastor, Miller Robinson. Uh, he was instrumental. He, was, he led with a quiet confidence. And uh, I just remember listening. to. I still remember some of his illustrations. It's been, goodness, 30 years uh, since I've heard a good Miller Robinson sermon, maybe not that long, um, 25 years. But I still remember some of those, those illustrations that he used to give. I think about uh, my uncle, Rex Johnson, who was here at our 65th anniversary, how much he poured into me and, and really helped shape me as a minister. There's been lots of people that have helped grow my faith. I think about Matt Chandler. We went on a ski trip together. I've shared this story before. He's the pastor at the Village Church in the Metroplex area, and he just invested in me for 48 hours. But it was enough to shape me and in some ways to rescue me because I needed rescuing. God uses relationships in that way. And, he, and, and I'll just say this. Relationships can have the opposite effect as well. You get into bad relationships, and sometimes they can distance you from God. In fact, I'd ask you this question. Is there anyone in your life who has undermined your faith? And you would say, I believe God less because that person's in my world. So if earthly relationships are a catalyst for better, deeper faith, 
And you better believe the enemy is going to try to steal, kill, and destroy with the same thing. So he puts people in your world. I will say this, every single regret I made the first time I did it, if it was habitual, the first time I did it was always in the company of other people that I probably should not have been around. Rarely, rarely do you have a big regret that was done in isolation, at least for the first time. I trace every single regret back to a relationship. A phone call I should not have answered. A text message I should not have received or sent back. An invitation I should not have accepted. A date I shouldn't have been on. Whatever that might be, you, you, you think, yeah, that's, that's what led me down that, that dark road. It's hard to get into trouble initially in isolation. Let me show you a couple of verses that will encourage you with this one. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. So again, this is not one of those verses that is, uh, it's, it's a, this is wisdom. That's a promise. Like you're going to walk with wise people, you're going to grow, grow in wisdom. Right? I love that. Walk with wise, become wise. You're going to grow deeper in wisdom. So I'm talking about earthly relationships, but if you hang out with fools, you may not become a fool, but you're going to suffer harm every single time. And Paul would say it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled, a bad company corrupts good character. What Paul is saying is that human relationships can have a negative spiritual impact in your life. I've heard it said, your friends determine the quality and direction of your life. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You show me your associations, I'll show you your destinations. So put yourself around people, like be intentional about it, going, okay, God, I want to be in good relationship with good people who are going to motivate me towards a deeper, loving relationship with you. And in the same way, I need to probably intentionally distance myself from these relationships that are toxic. I picked up on this pretty quickly because in high school I just started noticing that my life took a different turn when I'd hang out with different people. And so one of the ways that I navigated this, and it's just my way, is I would have friends that I knew were probably, <laughs> probably bad company. But at the same time, I wanted to be light of the world and salt of the earth in their, in their world. I didn't want to distance myself completely and put myself in this, in this uh, snow globe bubble where I don't ever actually interact with them to show them the light that I've come to find. But I had to be careful. And so what I would do is that I would strategically, this is just for me, I strategically would plan when I would meet with them. So they didn't even know that I was doing this. But they'd say, hey, can you come over Friday night? Man, I can't. I've got something else planned. Because I knew on Friday night they were doing something I shouldn't be doing. But I'd say, hey, but let's go to lunch Monday. Let's go to Pizza Inn, grab some, some pizza. Right? And, and that was me controlling the situation because I knew I could still hang out with them, I could still invest in them, I could still show them the light of Jesus, but they wouldn't influence me in a situation or an environment I shouldn't have been a part of. Does that make sense? All right. Dedicated church attendance. Earthly relationships, personal ministry. Start leveraging your life around those three areas. We're going to touch on the last two next week as we wrap up this short series. For a lot of you, it's hard for you to deepen your faith. I, I can't deepen my faith because you don't have faith, right? Or maybe you just never placed your faith 
in Jesus, in a relationship with him. But that's what he's called us to do. I want to be very clear that the Bible says that uh, we're created for God's glory. Whomever is called by my name, whom I created, whom I formed and made for my glory. It's Isaiah 43, 7. We're created for God's glory, but we're supposed to live for his glory, whatever that means, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. So we're created for his glory, we're supposed to live for his glory, but we fall short of his glory. Romans 3, 23 tells us. And when we fall short of his glory, that separates us. That's the chasm I've been talking about from a holy God. And God's perfect. It's not that he doesn't want to be in a relationship with you. It's just he can't. It's, I've heard it explained this way really well. It's like, a, it's like a woman who's getting married on her wedding day, and she's got on this beautiful wedding dress, and her little boy comes in from outside, or not her little boy, her little brother, comes in from outside. He's covered in mud. And there's a pretty big age gap, and he just sees Sissy. He's like two, and he goes, Sissy! <laughs> and he wants to hug her, and she goes, no, 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 baby, baby, baby. Like, he doesn't understand the significance of the day. It's the wedding day, the dress, it's the wedding dress. I just want to hug you, and she's like, no, 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 it's an arm's distance. There's a chasm, I can't, All right? It's not that God doesn't love you. He just can't be in the presence with you right now because there's sin, and he's sinless. That's a problem because the wages or the penalty of sin is death. But the gift of God, the verse concludes, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, God loves you so much, he didn't give you what your sins deserve. He gave his son Jesus what your sins deserve instead. And so for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, for you. That if you put your faith in him, if you believe in him, if you trust that you no longer die, but you have eternal life. And I would add on to John 3.16, not just eternal life, but a better, abundant, all that you could ever ask or imagine life as well. That's John 10.10. I want you to have that kind of a life. But you've got to put your faith, you've got to put your confidence, you've got to put your trust in him. It's got to start somewhere, and then these things that we're talking about are going to deepen it. And so for those of you who say, I've never done that, I'd love to walk you through a prayer. Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'd love for you to get saved today. Every single week, we've had somebody getting saved online. Crazy cool. I'd love for today to be your day. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, and I do call you Lord because I need you to be the Lord of my life. Come into this life. Forgive me of all my sins. Set me free, Lord. And start me over with you in control. Save me. I trust you. I put my faith in you. I believe that you died, were buried, and rose again for me. And by putting my faith in you, giving me the hope of a better life now and eternal life in heaven one day. And then just in your own way, just tell him you love him. Just, God, I love you. You're so good.